Hello and welcome to The Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson, and it's an honor and it's my joy to have you joining me again here today as we venture into a conversation that is always focused week after week on equipping you as dads with practical tools so that you can be the hero that you want to be and that your daughter's and your sons need you to be. Well, here at the start today, let me quickly review the template that always serves as a grid for our conversation, which is on your mark, get set, go. Picture yourselves as dads standing side by side each other, ready to run your fathering race this week. And I'm on the sidelines as a coach, and today I have a guest coach, and we are together saying on your mark, That's the topic. Get set. We're going to fill that topic in so you really understand it and then always end with a go step so that you have a practical way to put your love for your daughters and your sons into action this week. Well, today I am beyond excited to have one of my friends joining me who I've actually known since high school. We were in the same graduating class at Portland Christian, class of 1978. Yes, that means we're old. I was just realizing that means this is our, are you kidding me, our 40th year since high school. How can we be that old? Well, my friend's name is Dr. Lori Salerno Maldonado, and I guarantee that by the end of this interview, you are going to love her as much as I do. I mean, seriously, she has more passion in the tip of her finger than most of us have in our entire bodies. Well, let me tell you just a few things about her before we start the conversation. So Dr. Lori is an author. She's a speaker. She's the founder and the CEO of Teach One to Lead One, which is basically a progressive youth development nonprofit organization. She's an avid spokeswoman for the cause of transforming at-risk youth into responsible citizens, and she has met with even government officials around the world who want to use her model, this model, with their citizens. And Dr. Lori balances her time between the management of her organization and invitations to speak to audiences throughout the world. She lives in Atlanta, Georgia, with her husband, Jose, and there's so much more I could say about her, but I'll let her tell you some of those stories as we get going today. Welcome, Dr. Lori. Well, thank you, Dr. Michelle, and I am so thrilled to be on the show because I believe so deeply in what you're doing, and I just want you to know that I was raised in Vancouver, Washington, and my dad was a pastor there for 30 years, but the Mm -hmm. thing that I love to do, just for fun, is cycling, hiking, traveling, and going to coffee shops around the world. Wow. But the thing I'm most passionate about are really twofold. It's kids who are in trouble who are under-resourced and who seem to be in the margins. I want to do something about that. And then my second passion is to reach my potential. I really, truly believe each of us has been given a potential, and I want to reach mine. Mm-hmm. So those are my two passions. Oh, I love it. And like I said, passion runs deep in you. Well, on your mark today, I've titled the program, How to Raise a Passionate World Changer. You will better understand what this means after you hear more of Dr. Lori's story today, because she is going to open up about the ways God is using her to passionately change lives around the world. And yes, her dad did play a huge role in her life to lead her where she is today. So you dads, I know you're going to be inspired. In fact, you may even vicariously feel mentored by her dad today. Now, get set. Lori's going to share more about her passion. And I know most dads would say that they would love to raise a daughter who's confident, empowered, lives with convictions, and even knows her purpose in life. 
And that is you, Lori, in a nutshell. I know you. You're my friend. You're my heart friend. And I know that you live out the things that come out of your mouth. So I'm so excited that you're going to share more, not only about your passion, but even about how your dad has intentionally invested in you throughout your life to set a solid foundation that you stand on today, don't you? Oh, absolutely. He was so key in my upbringing. And I fortunately had a mother and a father in the home. And so my mother was extremely essential doing what she could do that my dad couldn't do. But that freed him up to do what he did best. And that mentoring is living with me even as we speak, Mm, Michelle. I love it. Well, tell us a little bit about your relationship with your dad. Well, first of all, I uh, am a very feisty uh, woman, and I was feisty as soon as I was born and have a lot of energy. And on top of that, I have quite a mouth, if you will. (laughs) And so that presented a tremendous challenge to both my mom and dad, but especially to my father. And so he... He had to decide, I'm sure, early on, what do I do with this? He told me (laughs) that my will was so strong that when I was four years old, he wondered if he should not take me to a psychiatrist and figure out what was wrong with me. It was that strong. It oh was my goodness. that feisty. And so it really started out as a challenge. But fortunately for me, instead of my dad squelching it, he made the choice to direct it. And he did that by challenging and motivating me to use that energy and that will in a very Mm -hmm. positive way. Well, I love, I mean, obviously I'm belly laughing here because I'm wired much the same way as you, where I've even had my parents sometimes like, look at me going, where did you come from? Like, you're more than like the two of us combined. I'm like, well, (laughs) um, I've, I've even had sometimes tears streaming down my face going, God, why did you wire me this way? Like, I don't even get you know, growing up why I've been this way. But okay, so here's my question then for you. Because, you know, of the strong personality, which I believe is an innate leadership quality, if it's steered in the right direction, as you said, but what about dads who maybe are right in the thick of it right now saying, I don't know what to do with this daughter? I mean, did you and your dad ever butt heads because of your strength? A lot of times, and I would say to dads, if you have a daughter that has that strong, feisty will and may have a mouth on them, I would say instead of seeing it as a curse, see it really truly as a opportunity. You have been entrusted with this personality, and it really, in a strange way, is a gift because your daughter is someone that you can take and mold and mentor and have her do something even far beyond what you could do, if you can see it, your perspective is very very important because I think my dad early on could have been, you know what, we've got to change this. We've got to do something. But instead, he said, how do I direct it? Mm-hmm. And as a, as a way of directing, he and I did butt heads all the time. I mean, he would set strong boundaries because a feisty, strong-willed child, especially a daughter, um, it, I needed a ton of boundaries, but I also had a, a consistent and constant love that coupled with that. Mm-hmm. But if it had not been for the boundaries, um, I would have been in trouble, really have. Because, But at the same time, you can't kill the spirit. So it's kind of a fine right. line. You set the boundaries, but you've got to celebrate that this was the DNA I was created to have, and it was given to my dad to do something with it. Mm-hmm. So he early on said, you know what, I'm going to choose to see this as a gift, even as frustrating as it can 
can be, mm-hmm. but I will, I will, I'm, I'm up for it. He took it <laughs> on and he, and he told me one time, you know what, Lori, my responsibility is to help you become the very best version of yourself and do the best you can in this life. And he said, and I want you to know I'm up for the task so you can fight me. You can disagree with me, but I will not, I will not put aside this, this responsibility I have. And I heard that all my life. And even though I would fight and push him, he would not let me win. And so as a result of that, uh, he just became one of my greatest mentors. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds clearly like even in the wrestling, if you will, or the bonking of the heads, the duking it out, it doesn't sound like your dad ever gave you a message that something was wrong with you. Like, you might have thought exactly. that, but he wasn't saying, what, have, what am I going to do with you? I can't handle you, child. Well, and you know what? One of the things he did is when I was corrected or when I was guided or directed, whatever discipline, whatever you want to call it, he always seemed to focus on the behavior, not on who I was. And I think sometimes we get so frustrated with the strong-willed daughter that we can attack who she is rather than the behavior. And I think because he said, this behavior is not acceptable, you're being disrespectful, but here's what I want to tell you, Lori. You take that same energy and you turn it around to be respectful, I can tell you the sky is the limit. Mm-hmm. So what he would do to me, he would, he would um, direct the discipline toward the behavior, but he never seemed, in my estimation, he never put down the, what I call the isness of who I was, the essence of who I was. My my DNA. So isness meaning like that. meaning like I s dash n e s s my like who I is is that what you yeah, mean? Yeah, who I is. You yeah, know, my DNA. Yeah. And so he didn't attack that. He attacked behavior. And how he knew to do that, I really don't know. But I know he did that. And as a result, I never felt put down. But I knew what behavior was not acceptable. Exactly. Well, I I was just going to ask you where did your dad learn that? But you're saying it was it from his dad. Well, you know, interesting enough, my dad did not have a father figure in his life. Wow. His dad died early on, and his mother, they were in poverty, and his mother had to work. He was raised by a grandmother. Hmm. And so the only thing I can think of is that when he became a father, and I was his first child, I had two younger brothers, the only daughter, which I really liked that, um, he probably, I don't know this, but I think he thought, what do I wish I would have had? had when I was growing mm-hmm. up, and he became that. But he did not have a father figure in his life, and yet he was one of the most stellar fathers that I, I have ever been. Mm. That is just That's so profound for dads that say, well, you know, I just got dealt a bad hand or an unfortunate hand. And say, exactly. you can always turn it around when you make a choice, I believe, connected to God's power, right, to say, I'm going to do it different in this generation. Well, Dr. Laura, you've told me before that your dad, I love this phrase, you said he helped you cast a vision for your life. Tell us more, yeah. like what age were you when he did that? What, what did that look like? Well, he started out um, when I was smaller, a kid, and he would tell me stories um, every night He'd bring our family together. He would tell a story that was a serial story. It would go from night to night to night. Mm. And it was about two kids, a little girl named Gloria and a little boy named Jim. And he so made this up? Jim and Gloria. He made this up? 
he made this up as he was going oh. on, and there was always a moral component to every story, how these kids would get into a, a fix of some kind, and how did they get out, and if they picked the right choice, the, the right high ground, it would cost them in some ways. Well, what he did, as he began to tell these stories, he was a creative uh, storyteller from mm. the, you know, just as a human, but when he did this, he cast from me. As a small child, all the way, I was still listening to these stories, Michelle, until <laughs> I was in ninth grade. Oh, I and love I it. I guilty that I wanted the, you know, good night story, kind of <laughs> bedtime story. But what he cast for me is what does a person of character integrity look like? And those stories with such imaginative, creative way of, of sharing um, principles and truths really connected with my moral imagination. So he cast a vision of what a person would look like if they chose the principles that we were designed to live by. But Mm -hmm. then as I got into high school, what he would do is he would expose me to leaders. He took me to leadership meetings with him and to listen to people that had done significant things in the world. And you were in high school. I was in high school. Cool. And I was the only daughter with a dad. All the other dads came to the leadership meetings and they would say to my dad, why did you bring her? Mm Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. said, because I want her to hear something and see something. So he let other people even cast a vision for me just by their life. Mm-hmm. And then um, after we would do that kind of thing, he would take me out for, um, back then we didn't have Starbucks, but we had Denny's. Mm-hmm. We'd go out to Denny's and he would say, Lori, if there was anything you could do in this world and you had all the money and you knew you wouldn't fail, which is a common question, what would you do? Mm. And he would listen to me. And some, I told him I wanted to be a hot air balloonist and go around the world. <laughs> How incredibly crazy is that? No, Lori, you're doing it now. Do? You are doing it now. You yeah, are flying around the world from, an, from a vantage point that most people don't have. Girl, that was prophetic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, I hadn't thought about it. But he, he never killed that vision. And then uh, I wanted to be a scientist, and then I wanted to be a missionary. And then I I went from one thing to the next, but he never killed it. He wanted me to Mm. see the picture. And to dream, to dream dream, dreams. Absolutely, a dream. And then he would say to me, now, if you were going to dream even bigger than that, what would it look like? Oh, my goodness, this is profound. Unbelievable, Michelle. And I would say, you know what? I think I could do this. He's Lord, I know you can. Wow. Because you've got that feisty will that will not be squelched. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you'll direct it toward the right things, the right purposes, and with the right attitude, the sky is your mm. limit. And he just needed, like we need yeast into the bread, he needed that into my fiber of, of uh, being raised. Well, did you hear what you just said? He told you the sky is the limit, and you're thinking about hot air balloons. I know you're exactly, up there. Exactly. Like you, you must know. be closer to God up there, you know. Yeah, but you're exactly, like exactly, exactly. Wow. I mean, if I heard a kid today say, "I want to be a hot air balloonist," I would say, "Well, why?" <laughs> but he said, "Lord, you could do that." Yeah. yeah. What, how would how would that benefit humanity? Wow. Well, I really don't know that part yet. But you know, you know, just keep on talking like that. But it, he let me see yeah. the picture, and he fed it. He fed that. Yeah. And it still feeds me today, Dr. Yeah. Michelle, because yeah. I think if I had all the money and I knew I wouldn't fail, what would I do? And guess what? I'm actually doing it. 
which is tell people what you're doing with at-risk youth. Well, we have a program called Teach One to Lead One that goes into the public schools and it uses community leaders to come in as mentors and we teach character and leadership so that they can teach, we teach them how to live lives of integrity and character so that they could lead their peers and create a positive momentum. And it's a a 16-week program that goes into school week after week, five mentors going into a class of... um, 30 kids, 25, 30 kids, mm-hmm. group mentoring, and we have service projects, graduations. It's a very interactive program. And it's all across the U.S. It is all across. We have a chapter in Vancouver, Washington, and in Bellingham, Washington. We have one in Arizona, Colorado, California, Louisiana, mm. and Georgia, and we have been in uh, Ecuador, El Salvador, Peru, and we are presently in Belarus and in South Africa. Okay, listen, dads, do you, this is why today, if you're just joining us, we're, I'm talking, we're having a conversation, Dr. Lori Salerno Maldonado, who is the CEO of Teach One to Lead One, and we're talking about how dads can raise a passionate world changer. Are you dads hearing this? Her dad cast a vision for her life and would say, think bigger, think bigger. What could you do more than that? And I knew your dad back in high school, and I knew your dad's with Jesus now. He's in Uh heaven. And yet you are saying, I carry that with me, the message he gave me, his love for me, and that passion fuels you even today. And I, I know you well, and I know this is the truth of how you live your life. So do you see any correlation then, Dr. Lori, between like a strong-willed, energetic, as you called yourself, feisty daughter where a dad might go, you are more than I can handle. I mean, that's the truth. Dads <laughs> yeah. think that. I know I gave my parents a run for my money because I had lots of words, all my report cards. Michelle <laughs> talks too much. I'm like, who would have ever thought this mouth would be speaking to crowds or speaking to clients one-on-one or speaking here on the radio, just like you, all around the world? So do you have any tips then on how a dad can keep from squelching that God-given wiring in a daughter and guide her in the right direction? Well, I think any child can be a world changer, but when it comes to the strong-willed and feisty child, it requires the uh, direction and boundaries, but also something challenging because we're feisty because we have this energy. Mm-hmm. We get bored easy. So my dad would put me in places like take me down to um, down to the homeless in Portland, and we would we would do things um, for them. I mean, together he, because was it together, together always? He didn't just he and fund I would make you. The sandwiches and hand them out together. Is that key? He, is that key oh, to do it oh together? Because you know what? He's showing me how it's done. Mm-hmm. And what he did is he always found things that would keep me um, directing that energy toward a positive purpose. Because they will, uh, a feisty, strong little child gets bored very, very easy. And if you, as dads, don't give them a positive activity, they will find one of their own, and it's usually negative. Good point. But they just want to be challenged. And so I think the challenge can be fun. It can be very fun. Mm-hmm. It can be, um, I remember my dad taking me to a nursing home, making me make a card, and we went to older people, and we gave it to them, and, and he would let me do the talking as he sat there with me. How old were you when you first I, did that? Well, that, that started in my 10th um, grade year. Okay, key for dads that have daughters in elementary school. It's never too early to start this. 
Exactly, exactly. And in elementary school, um, he would he would take me to the. That's when the homeless and mm-hmm. uh, people like shut-ins in our in our church because he was a pastor. He would take me hospital calling. Um, he would wake in in elementary school. He would wake me up at three in the morning. What? He whispered from my head, "So and so's in the hospital. If you want to go with me to do this hospital call afterwards, I'll take you to Denny's for pancakes. But you can't <gasps> tell your mom, and you got to get up to go to school." Oh I my Get dressed. We'd go over and see this. I would watch him present uh, the gospel. I would watch him talk to these people. And then afterwards, he and I would debrief, you know, what happened, why that was important. We'd go to Denny's. I'd go back to bed, and I'd get up the next morning. And your mom never knew? You know what? It was an adventure. (laughs) I know my mom knew, but I didn't know she knew. So, see, that energy, I felt like I was doing something adventure. You were on a spy mission. Yeah. Exactly. And so he would do, and my mom said, you can only do that so often because I was so tired. But what it did for me is not only my moral imagination, it channeled my energy. Mm-hmm. And I would say to dads, as frustrating and as hair pulling out as it can be, really, truly, you have been, you have been entrusted mm-hmm. with this strong-willed uh, daughter. And that's a gift because you're up for the task. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to receive it and say, I, I am, I'll take it on. Mm-hmm. I'll receive it. Because mm-hmm. you're going to grow, dads, in that process beyond what you would have even probably thought you were capable of doing. Exactly, exactly. And you think about you and me growing up, you know, born in 60s, 60s, 70s, there weren't a lot of women, I at least I didn't see, who were out there doing what your dad was inviting you to join him to do. Exactly. And you know, one of the things, because of my mouth, and my, like, just like you, Dr. Michelle, <laughs> every time my teacher put on the report card, Lori is constantly talking. Well, he said, Lori, let's, let's do something with that mouth. So as, <laughs> as I grew, he b- began to expose me to things as it pertained to speaking. He would take me on speaking engagements with him. He would say to me, on Sunday, I'm going to preach, and I'm going to use a brand new word. And you're the only one in the audience that knows this. Wow. I want you to pick out what brand new vocabulary word I'm using. And then on the way home from church to go to lunch, I want you to tell me what that word is. Well, he would do these kind of mm-hmm. ima- these creative games, if you right, will. Right. And so what did that do, Michelle? It made me listen to that sermon. Mm-hmm. And so then he told me about different things, fundamentals of speaking. I kind of think he was saying it to himself, but in my hearing. Yeah. And then when I felt that I was going to be a public speaker, and I told them, I said, I'm not going to be a hot air balloonist. I'm not going to be a scientist. I think <laughs> I'm going to be a speaker. Mm. And he said, and here's what we're going to do. I'm going to teach you how to outline. I'm going to teach you how to memorize scripture. I'm mm-hmm. going to teach you how to speak without notes. And then he did this. He was a sought after speaker around mm-hmm. the country. He said, I'm going to be gone. And I'm going to give you the pulpit. Wow. And he left me with a thousand people looking at me, and I was um, probably eighteen. And I got up there and, <laughs> and did the outline without without the notes. Yeah. And no one in the congregation except for the chairman knew about it. He so believed in empowering women. He literally gave me the opportunity to taste something. And from that day until now, that has been part of my occupation is speaking worldwide. Wow. Incredible. Well, we're almost out of time. I've got two more questions for you. Can you just briefly describe what it was like at the end of your dad's life? How did he still speak into your life right there in his last, you know, days? 
Yeah, that was those were some sensitive conversations as we knew he was dying. It wasn't an instant thing. He was in the process of, of dying. So we were able to have those conversations. I think the thing was he and I reviewed the whole my whole childhood and my whole upbringing. He asked me, he said, Lori, is there anything that I did that you wish I wouldn't have done? And mm. I said, oh, absolutely. And he goes, don't be so enthusiastic. I said, no, I do know one thing. He said, what was it? And I said, you wouldn't let me go to dances. I was a cheerleader. I planned the dances and you wouldn't let me go because you thought bad things would happen at dances. Mm-hmm. I, and, I, and he goes, is that it? And I said, yep. He said, you know what, Lori, at the end of my life, if that's the only thing you think I should have done differently, I'm feeling pretty good about yeah, myself. Yeah. But then he said this. He said, Lori, my time is done and I'm going to the other side. And I want you to know that I have done everything in my power mm-hmm. to help you become the best version of yourself and to make the biggest contribution to society. Mm-hmm. And I love you and I'm proud of you. And Michelle, what, those were almost some of the last words he said to me. Mm-hmm. I felt a mantle yes. had come onto my shoulders. And here's what I'm saying, Dad. That mantle now is I'm going to children just like myself. They're feisty. They're strong-willed. They're mm-hmm. mouthy. They're in trouble. And I want to live out the legacy of what Gerald Marvel did for me. Yeah and have the same kind of boundaries and truth spoken to them, but give them the imagination to catch a vision for their life. Yeah. Oh, amen. So the last question, if you were to give dads a go step, dads who have daughters wired like us, but if they could help their daughters become a world changer, what would you tell them is one way to help set that emotion this week? Well, first I would say to the dads, no one is perfect. My dad wasn't perfect. You're not perfect. Don't try to be perfect. But be the one word I would say is intentional. That is doing it on purpose for a purpose. Spend time with them. Listen to them. Tell them stories. But intentional. Mm -hmm. Choose to say, I'm going to be a dad that is going to do this on purpose for a purpose. I'm going to be intentional. Don't try to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, don't just be intentional. And just that time of listening to them and then sh- hearing their stories, you share your stories. Mm-hmm. A lot can happen with just simply being intentional. Oh, I love it. Well, today on the Dad Whisper, you've heard from my friend, Dr. Lori Salerno Maldonado, as she's helped you as dads learn from her dad about how to raise a passionate world changer. Remember, you can always write me at Dr. Michelle at thedadwhisper.com. Let me know how you're doing. You can go to my website at drmichellewatson.com and find free resources. Sign up for my Dad Daughter Friday blogs. And if you've enjoyed this conversation, you can even listen again on iTunes. Well, I'm Dr. Michelle Watson signing off. Dads, get out there and intentionally and consistently invest in pursuing your daughter's hearts today. Go Dads.